Oh, I'm so sick. And tired. Sick and tired. That's not new news. Did your parents you're ever... sick and tired lately. Like, when you're growing up, was your dad ever like, I am just sick and tired? Only when he was talking about things that I was doing. Right. Did you notice that, like, those two always went hand in hand? Like, sick always was... Uh, sick was always followed by tired. You knew if he was sick, he was also tired. And that it was your fault. Yeah. Yeah. Unless he was fed up, in which case... That's a completely different issue. Right. Or, or <laughs> disappointed. Oh, <laughs> disappointed. I was yes. never told. So disappointed. I, I, I never got that. I never got the, you know, I'm just really disappointed because I think that it was understood that that was kind of like the stasis. That was, <laughs> that was the just, status quo. And always disappointed. <laughs> yeah. There's always that level of disappointment, but sometimes it got worse. Sometimes yeah. disappointment turned into to I feel like I'm trying to parent in a manner that that's that's the hard hitter. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Right. That is not that I if if then I don't have to yell and shout and I can just be like, I'm so disappointed in you. Yeah. And it's and like, they're that's like, like oh. that's like the knife. <laughs> yeah. And I don't have to yell and shout. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Movie Men Podcast. The B team. Uh, I'm not Carl, and I'm not Brady. And uh, but I am actually sick. So if I sound sick, <coughs> uh, I apologize. And I'm not sick. I'm feeling great. I feel, Thanks for asking, uh, by the way. Yeah, sure. we have a. He- I was, I was just <laughs> telling you before we started. We have a head cold and a stomach bug in the house at the same time and we know that they're like some people are going to be like well it's probably the same thing and your bodies are just metabolizing them no 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 i like we were apart we were apart and we we both began to get sick we were apart for five days and then we both began to get sick with these different symptoms before reconvening so we know we know that these are two separate things and that uh, we've created a, a bug. violent combination. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the stomach bug is from out of province. So we're like bioengineering. Like it's, yeah. You are the reason monkeypox exists. We, I, I, <laughs> I'm hoping, I'm hoping that this results in something that I'm going to have a namesake for, that there'll be, yeah. you know, like uh, the, the Brady. The, the BB, the, the, the BB flu. The BB flu. Yeah. Cause people will take that seriously. That's uh that's fantastic. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we're here and we're talking about news. Um, I'm going to sniffle from time to time. The, I'm going to new news. I'm going to try to Recently mute my mic news. whenever, uh, you know, whenever I'm, Horking something up or whatever, but uh, yeah, Carl still sounds as velvety and smooth as ever, and so we're gonna kind of rely on on that to carry us through from an audio aesthetics standpoint. Um, we got a bunch never of stories. Describe my voice that way. Is that how it actually sounds? Velvety. <laughs> uh, I, I think of no. I think of velvety, and I think of like <laughs> um, what's his name that that does Darth Vader's voice. <laughs> James Earl Jones. Yeah, like or Morgan, that's velvety. Or, or like Morgan I don't, I don't Freeman. think I've got that quality in, no. in my tone or tempo of my voice. You sound 
your voice is springy. I feel like I feel like I'm more like Daffy Duck. <laughs> kind of obnoxious. All over there, all over the place. Yeah, okay. Uh, no some some <laughs> lots of weird no noises happening. Well, that's good. Know your, know your strengths. Yeah. <laughs> know your strengths. I, I I don't even know why you guys keep asking me on the podcast and why why I'm now a part of the podcast. <laughs> Well, I'm not built for audio quality. <laughs> we invested the money in the equipment, and now it's just kind of like, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, you know, what the hell else are we going to do? Uh, no, so we have a bunch of news stories. So let's just hop right in. Um, sure. Jonathan Majors. Who, As opposed to Jonathan Miners. <laughs> that sounds like a creepy... Jonathan Miners is like <laughs> a guy from a horror film. It sounds like he's up there with like Freddy Krueger. Jonathan Miners is coming. Um, Jonathan Majors, who plays Kang in the MCU. Uh, he was Kang, or at least uh, in, wow, what did they refer to him as in Loki? The one at the end of uh, time? The, the man at the end of time. Yeah. Um, something like that. But now in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, and this is not really a spoiler, this has been just like, in all the trailers and stuff yeah uh he's playing kang he is officially now kang the conqueror um and uh yeah and it seems like now listen i have yet to see ant-man and the wasp due to the sicknesses um but you have and Mm -hmm. we're not going to get into that because we will do a review at some point but it does seem even if you haven't seen the film it seems like from an outsider perspective, that Kang has got some staying power in the MCU, that he's going to be sort of our new Thanos, um, merely from the the standpoint that we know that our next big Avengers film, the film that we're kind of molding the MCU towards, is called Avengers the Kang Dynasty. Uh, so he's... I can neither confirm or deny any of these rumors. <laughs> so, so he's got some staying power. contractually obligated to wait till our, our podcast right. episode. <laughs> but either way, he's not like he's not like Jeff Bridges as Iron Monger. It's, it's not like, you know, this is not a one and done for Jonathan Majors. And as such, you know, not that he gets to call any shots. At the end of the day, he is just an actor. It doesn't matter how big or how little the role. Uh, but... but the bigger a role you're in, the more people are kind of curious about your opinions and, and you know, how how you'd like to see the franchise that you're in turn out. And Jonathan Majors, in a recent interview, said that he would really, 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 really like Robert Downey Jr. to return as Iron Man in the Kang Dynasty. Now, he goes on to talk about his reasonings, and and it, none of them are because that's what the story's asking for. They're mostly like, RDJ's a legend, man. <laughs> like, I just, to work with him, I just yeah. want to work with Robert Downey Jr. I think that the yeah. dy- he thinks, he, he did say that he thinks the dynamics <clears throat> of Kang and the dynamics of Tony Stark would play well together on screen um oh, yeah and they 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 pl- they literally play to they mess with each other in the comics too so script right. wise it's, yeah. it's there's all kinds of story to be drawn from so this is not him dropping hints this is not him like we don't this this is not any sort of confirmation this is literally just one actor saying you know who i'd really like to work with um 
But I'm curious, do you think, like, what do you think the odds are over under, uh, let's say, over under 60% that Robert Downey Jr. is going to return as Iron Man in Kang Dynasty. Now, the one thing before you answer that is worth pointing out is that we are living in a multiverse world with the MCU. We are approaching, like, the follow-up to Avengers Kang Dynasty is Avengers Secret Wars, which is, you know, I've speculated for a while if you're going to blow open the multiverse and bring back some of these legacy characters, Secret Wars is where you do it. Because that's kind of, like, you thought the big battle at the end of Endgame was kind of like the be-all and end-all of, like, oh, all the Avengers are on screen. No, no, that's Secret Wars. That's, that's the, if if they do Secret Wars justice, then that, that... Um, that's, that's that same thing, but instead of going up against a nameless army, they're, it's a... Uh, they're going up against each other. Each other. Like, like multiverse like, uh, versions Captain of America each other. Civil War, but like 10 times bigger. Yeah. And so, and I've been saying for a very long time, not only does nobody actually stay dead in the MCU, uh, but, you know, like Gamora, Agent Coulson, um, I mean, yeah, Gamora didn't stay dead long, did she? <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, neither did Agent Coulson. They're like, you know, Agent Coulson's dead, and it was this really dramatic death, and and it really tugged at your heartstrings. Hey, we're gonna do a TV show. We're gonna make him the main character. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but I've also been saying for a very, very, very long time. I don't know when. I don't know how. But mark my words. Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans will return. Mm. I, I, you know, I don't know if it'll be old man Steve Rogers in the the Captain America New World Order movie where Sam Wilson is our Captain America. I don't know if he'll show up in sort of a... But they've been very, like, any references to Captain America in the MCU, they've been specifically vague. Right, like people don't know. People are like, oh, I heard he's on the moon. Oh, I heard he was dead. I heard he, you know, blah blah blah. And yeah. it's like, no, no, he's 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 probably still alive out there somewhere, just being old man Steve. Um, but what are your thoughts? Over under sixty percent that Robert Downey Jr. returns, whether it's for Kang Dynasty or it's for Secret Wars. Uh, <clears throat> well, I get. I think in general, over sixty percent chance. Yeah, he's he's going to show up in something. Uh, I think one of the one, the one of the things I've heard he's rumored to make a appearance in is going to be secret invasion. That's interesting. Cause that's like right around the corner. Yeah. So I, I've heard a rumor that he's, and I, I scrolling through Facebook, I seen, um, like a, a, a set photo. I scrolled by it quickly, but I mean, I saw what you're I like, saw. Ah, ah, spoilers. Ah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so if you don't want to, if you're, if you're like me and you don't like spoilers, you got, you, you t- turn off your mic, your, your, I turn off your mic. I'm not like, turning off my mic. Turn off your, <laughs> mute, mute, I'm going to turn off my mic fast for the next forward, 30 seconds. Do whatever so that you don't spoilers. hear the spoiler. Cause here it is. I seen a set photo yeah. and it, it, it looked like as I quickly scrolled by that it was, Robert Downey Jr. beside an old scruffy looking uh, um, Nick Nick Fury. 
Interesting. So, yeah. So there's a, there's a good, and, and that one kind of, there's a, like, they're scrolls. They're shapeshifters. I mean, he could be walking beside a, a scroll who's just temporarily shapeshifted to look like Tony Stark. Tony Stark. Yeah. So, but that would uh, but, still be like, even though that wouldn't be Tony Stark, that would still be Robert Downey Jr. Exactly. And yeah. so that would still so, like, oh man, the pop. Like we talked about, we talked about last week what the pop would be if Christian Bale makes a cameo in the Flash movie. If Robert Downey Jr. shows up on screen in an MCU film and they've managed to keep it under wraps, like we have no idea that it's coming. The theater, the roof will blow off the theater. Yeah. So, like, yeah, like, uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s, he's, I think he's pretty, pretty done with uh, having, like, a full-blown part in the, in the MCU, but... I'm sure he'd, he'll come back for little bit parts. Yeah, but you know... To, it, just to, it, to make bank, you know? It could be a major part that he comes back. Because you know who else was really, really, really done with it all? Hugh Jackman. Yeah. And I know yeah. he's only no, signing yeah. on for one yeah. movie, but he's signing on as like he is he's a lead in the film. Yeah. Since since Endgame, uh, the, he, he, he did a interview with... Um, on the Joe Rogan podcast, had a conversation with Joe Rogan about this, and he said, "Yeah, he's he's done. He doesn't see how there's a uh, there's a place for Iron Man. He he feels like the story's done." <laughs> and Joe Rogan, like, kind of like what we said, like, money talks, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. If, if Disney calls tomorrow and says that, hey, that up uh, option, he kind of. Floated his own personal opinion of, uh, or, or sort of, uh, fan script about how he could come back. Yeah. Like, yeah. So there's lots. So it sounds like if, as long as the script is right and it works and there's enough money in the dump truck, he's, yeah. he's going to come back. <laughs> yeah. If, if, if Disney calls tomorrow and says, you know, yeah. Hey Robert. And Robert says, no, I'm not interested. And Disney says 20 million. And Robert goes, I'm listening. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't think we're going to ever see go an Iron Man 4. Uh, no, I don't but, think so. But, but I yeah, think he's there's definitely going to have I, he's going to have supporting roles. Yeah, I think there's enough anything. properties coming out, you know, whether it's King Dynasty, whether it's Secret Wars, whether it's the Ironheart show, whether it's the um Armored Wars, the like the War Machine story that was originally going to be a TV show but then they were like, "No, no, actually we see, you know, now we're going to do this as a as a big budget film. There's enough Iron Man adjacent stories happening that you know, yeah. even if it's well, just even, flashbacks, <clears throat> even if he comes in Iron and films some flashbacks, stuff. like Iron Ironheart's armor is based off Stark tech. She she went. Like, there's some really crazy fan theories out there about this that are that are like they sound pretty sound and that there's something that marvel if they're not already on in the works planning that they definitely could take from so uh her name's riri williams right yeah riri williams ironheart her her tech is based off tony stark's iron man stark tech she goes to the school where in iron man 2 iron man 2 
he present he's got he does that kind of hollow holographic therapy and he names it barf and then we get um uh mephisto not mephisto um whiplash pardon whiplash no no we we get uh what's his what's his name from spider-man um, 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 um mysterio mysterio you get Mysterio. Oh yeah, that whole story, behind that. Right? Yeah, that that school where he's like he does that oh, therapy, that, that and then he's Ray like, Williams all the school. kids get grants. All the kids get money. Like she's going to that school. Ooh, Tony Stark's an alumni of like so. That's a fun tie-in. I like that. Yeah, there's yeah. So there's all this kind of cool tie-in stuff to even just Riri Williams and Ironheart mm-hmm. that they could somehow, you know, create a Stark AI to be Riri Williams suit or be Iron Lad, who's a yep. di- completely different legacy, uh, not legacy, uh, um, character that's kind of based on Iron Man next generation. Also, thing. I, I hate to break it to you. You said that, uh, you said that Iron Heart's suit is based off Stark tech. I'm pretty sure everything in the MCU up until this point has been based on Stark tech. <laughs> it just seems to be there like, uh, okay, yeah, so what are we going to do? Well, Iron Man won. Okay, well, someone gets a hold of Stark technology and uses it in the wrong way. Okay, perfect. Not, we love not it. Not Hank Pym's tech. Pym no, tech is not, different. Pym tech is is different, yes. Uh, but you've got, you've got uh, Ironmonger, Whiplash with Stark tech, Ultron was was Stark Trek tech, which means that ultimately so is Vision. Vision was is you know is Jarvis kind of mixed in with yep. with mixed in with Ultron tech, which is Stark tech. So literally all of Vision is Stark tech. Um, yeah, Stark Banner tech. <laughs> yeah, up until this point, pretty much Spider Man has actually been Iron Man Junior and has been Stark tech. You know, yeah. So it's yeah, it's um, you know, literally the entire plot of the second Spider-Man movie is these these glasses, right? Yeah. The, the the glasses that are it's just it's Iron Man tech through and through, and through. But uh, okay, so anyways, cool. Moving on. John Wick Four is right around the corner now. Have you seen the John Wick movies? Uh, have I seen the third one? I've seen the first and the second one. Right. I think I've seen the third one. Yeah, I've seen the third one. Okay. Yeah. I, I have not seen any of them. Are they good? First one is definitely good. And they progressively kind of get... They're still good, but less... I would say less memorable. Kind of, I, like, I've seen three or four of the need for speeds i think more i think three max three i haven't seen any more than three for sure Uh, so i've seen the first one i don't think i've seen tokyo no i haven't seen tokyo i think i've seen the second and the third one after that but anyway it's kind of like those where they're they're fun they're good but i only ever really remember the first one (laughs) Right. <laughs> the first one's the only one that really hits home. I think for me, I'm just not like I don't get on I haven't hopped on this this Keanu Reeves hype train that everybody not else Keanu appears Reeves to be on. Fan. I like I don't hate the guy, but it he's not for me, you know, other people are like, "Oh, it's, it's, of course it's going to be good. Keanu Reeves is in it. Like I got to go see this. I got to go see it. It's Keanu Reeves." Eh, 
I okay. Like it it doesn't sway me either way on whether or not mm. I'm interested in a project. Anyways, John Wick 4 is right around the corner. And we now have our official runtime and our official runtime comes in just <laughs> under 3 hours long. This is that's insane. <laughs> so much. It is it's long, but it's like you know movies have seemed to have been getting longer and longer for the most part. Yeah, and it, it, sure. it something I've said several times on the show, you know, maybe not you and I yet, but I've said it to Pete lots of times. Um, you know, everybody seems to be in this mindset now where, you know, we're, we're always, it used to be just that like, oh, we, we can't wait. We're, you know, we need to know when the release date is. We need to see the first trailer. We need to find out who the cast is. And added to that recently is people really want to know what is the runtime. And they make a big deal out of announcing the runtime of a film. And there seems to be this misconception out there where people think that longer equals better, right? They'll see, a, you know, a new MCU property come out and it will be just under two hours. And they'll go, oh, oh, why well, it's, oh, that's interesting. And then a film will come out and they'll be like, oh, it's two hours and 45 minutes. Like, it must be really good. Listen, runtime has nothing to do with the quality of a film. There are some great films that that I've seen that, you know what, could have been 10 minutes shorter. It was a great yeah. film, but it, it, it could have been, there was about 10 minutes of, of trimming the fat in there. Great film, but they could have cut out an hour of it. <laughs> and, and then the other way around, the other way around is I've seen some great movies where I'm like, you know what, this could have benefited from being about 10 or 15 minutes longer. Like there's a couple of storylines, there's a couple of plot some points some that, yeah, that, that could have used a little breathing room. <clears throat> and, uh, and so each film, based on the story that you're telling and the pace that you're telling it at and so on and so forth, each film has its own ideal runtime. And maybe for John Wick 4, that ideal runtime is just under three hours, right? Like, uh, Pete and I just, we're going to talk about this, Pete and I are going to talk about this this week coming up. Um, Pete and I just went and watched in the theater a theater experience that I've been talking about since the podcast's conception, and then to celebrate its 25th anniversary, it's back in the theaters. And I'm like, holy shit, Pete, we got to go. Pete and I just went and saw <laughs> Titanic 3D in the theater. Ooh, how's it end? Uh, I can't, it, they definitely tee it up for a sequel. They're, they're definitely, <laughs> there's definitely room for more. Uh, but it's, but you know what? Titanic is, it's a long movie. Yeah. And the movie ended and Pete it's like three hours and ten minutes or something. And the movie don't quote me on that. People are gonna be like, I looked it up and that's not right. Um the movie ended and the first thing that that Pete did was he turned to me and he said, That did not feel like three hours. Because three hours, that the even though it's a long movie, it's the appropriate runtime for that film. Because there's three hours sixteen minutes. 
See, there you go. It's the appropriate runtime because they're, you know, you've got these characters. If you just, you know, people are like, oh, they added this romance. Yes, because that romance humanizes the story and it gives you these characters that you can, you can experience through yeah you can experience the the disaster through the eyes of if it was just like you know okay we're not gonna we're just gonna focus on actual historical people and historical facts it would kind of be a little bit of a boring film because you'd be like uh, it, it would just become like an action, almost like, I mean, nowadays, obviously they didn't use a lot of CGI back then, but it would just become like a CGI fest. Whereas these characters humanize the story. So to spend the first hour and a half really introducing these characters and building their story and and having that sort of love triangle tension that's happening and, and really delving into what a beautiful dream this ship was. Then when you spend the next hour and a half, and you need to spend an hour and a half really showing the struggles and and how the sinking panned out for all the different classes that were on the ship, it ends up being the perfect runtime. Um, and mm. so, I don't know, maybe John Wick 4... Three hours is the right runtime. It does seem long, but again, this is coming from someone who hasn't seen the first three. They're on my short list. I, I'm constantly like, you know, I, I got to watch the John Wick films because everyone's always talking about them. But I'm also one of those like, I I can't sit and watch the first John Wick film until I know that I've got also time the next two nights to watch the next two John Wick films because that's just how I... I I watch movies, right. um, yeah. but you have seen them, and you're saying that three hours seems excessive. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think I feel like it probably is. Like the so the first two, like just real quick synopsis here for you. Like definitely watch the first two. The first two, the stories kind of tie in together, um, and then at the third one, it kind of takes this other kind of repercussions of it's not it doesn't really it ties into the first two but it's more like the repercussions on it from a different angle of what of the first two kind of to, to kind of vaguely talk about what the story's about right <laughs> um without giving anything away uh but yeah i mean it's it's an action flick like 90 80s 90s action flicks hour and a half maybe hour 45 minutes barely ever two hours right you get the odd one that's two hours i think like true lies is about two hours but yeah like you don't need like at a at a certain point like it's it's at a certain point it's just more action for the sake of action mm -hmm. right and like a good action film it's got lots of cool action but you've got to have like titanic like you were just talking about Titanic, you got to have a good narrative to help push that action, push the the story forward. So the action's got something to play off of or else you just have a ship that sinks. Yeah. Yeah. Die hard. Die hard is two hours and 10 minutes, man. Yeah. But I heard it's got a good narrative. <laughs> aliens. Aliens is two twenty. 
Aliens has got good narrative. I'm just trying. Sorry, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. You're right for the most part. I'm going down the list, yeah. like Lethal Weapon, all this stuff. It's all, yeah, it's all right in that. Conan, Conan the Barbarian is uh, is two ten. Yeah, Conan the. I own Conan the Barbarian. Of course, and you that's do. a movie it's that Arnold. could use some cutting. Yes. <laughs> There's there's some stuff in that film that should have hit the cutting room cutting room floor. <laughs> and then okay, so Scarface. The Scarface is a three hour film, but I see. But that I don't know that Scarface counts, right? Because Scarface yeah. lives in that same sort of neighborhood, not just like thematically, but just like legacy wise and like storytelling mm. approach. It's in the same neighborhood as like the godfather films yeah there's yeah and like if you look at like in if you're just googling action films length like you're gonna get a bunch of them that are action slash something else too right i titanic i'm looking at the titanic i googled titanic and it's it's titanic 1997 romance slash drama right so like most movies kind of bridge to two genres yeah so, and i've i've said in the past like it also depends there are some films like there are a lot of deleted scenes from titanic and i've seen all of them at nauseum and i am a person who if you were if james cameron he, he says he never will but if James Cameron were to put together and release a a three hour and fifty minute cut of Titanic, the Cameron cut, the Cameron cut, I would absolutely watch it, and it would probably become my go to version. Now, I acknowledge though that that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the better version. It's just me as the the not just a fan of the movie, but me as like a, a Titanic nut in general of the actual historical event. Uh, I, I just want, I just want more. Give me more. Right. I've talked about this with Lord of the Rings. Obviously there is a plethora of content that was cut from the books. There has to be, has to be. Yeah. Otherwise each of the three hour films would be 10 hours long. I would totally watch a 30-hour Lord of the Rings trilogy. <laughs> I, I would. <laughs> and I would, I would, it, it probably wouldn't become my go-to version because that's just not practical. Like, you just can't be like, okay, I'm going to watch The Fellowship of the Ring. I better call into work, <laughs> right? Like, that's not, it doesn't work that way. Um, but I would certainly watch them. I would, hell, I'd go sit 10 hours each in a theater to watch them. Um, if they, like, adapted everything from the book you know, and found a way. And it would not be, I'll tell you right now, it would not be the better version of the film. It would be far too long a runtime. It would be downright boring in parts. But as a big Tolkien fan, I'm just curious. I'm curious to see how these different events would play out in camera. But uh, anyways, yeah, so John Wick 4, almost three hours long. Um, I'm not going to see it in the theater, namely because I haven't seen the other ones yet so my excitement <laughs> level for it is is bupkis uh but you know teach their own uh moving on steven spielberg so have you heard of the guy uh isn't 
he related to like Chewbacca or something? Really? That was the that was weak. You struggled there, yeah. eh? You're like, yeah, ah, I, gotta, I wasn't ready for it. What's a witty ah? So anyways, Steven Spielberg, (laughs) the route you should have taken was like, oh yeah, that new, uh, he's like an indie, indie up and coming. He's made a couple low budget. (laughs) That, that indie guy who's all about the Jones sodas. The Jones sodas. Uh, Steven, so they recently had their, um, Hollywood recently had their annual Oscar luncheon so it's not the oscars it's just kind of like leading into the oscars the the, you know all the the big highfalutin right just more stuff that normal people don't care about well (laughs) stuff that normal people certainly aren't invited to it's just kind of like a luncheon it's a mingle right it's a it's a it's a the who's who mingle um and something really interesting if you watch the interviews you watch some of the footage and stuff like that that has has come out from from that luncheon there's like big names there right very big names this is this is the oscars luncheon like the who's who of hollywood when tom cruise arrived at the oscars luncheon everybody everybody stopped and took notice people like i didn't i just took the opportunity to shut up breadsticks people like quit (laughs) people like paused interviews to like look like big Hollywood people all had their eyes fixed on on Tom Cruise. So even to the stars, Tom Cruise is a star. <laughs> is a star. He's he, that's that's the level of you know, and that's coming from me, someone who has has notoriously you know been very honest about my opinions of Tom Cruise. Have has not taken a stance that is unswayable. I've come around to appreciate him um but the facts are everyone everyone was excited when tom cruise arrived now we have recording on the internet of um of a conversation there were the audio is pretty bad but if you kind of really listen you can you can make out what they're saying tom cruise was approached by steven spielberg at the oscar luncheon and steven spielberg shook tom cruise's hand and said Thank you. You you and Top Gun Maverick not only saved movies, but very possibly saved the entire theatrical experience, like saved the industry. And Tom Cruise says, oh, thank you. Like, no, thank you very much. Like, that's, you know, what an honor. And, And Steven Spielberg doubles down and he goes, no, seriously. You saved, like, he's just, like, really wants Tom Cruise to get the point. No, 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 no. You don't get it. <laughs> you don't get it. You saved it. Um, so that is arguably the biggest and greatest film director. And, like, if you're just looking at resumes alone, the biggest and greatest film director of all time has has said to Tom Cruise, it is because of you and Top Gun Maverick that, that we're all able to be here today so thank you because top gun maverick if you remember was the one film that did not it was the only film that did not shut down during the pandemic the production of that film did not shut down because tom cruise was using his own money to keep it going 
because he believed in the project so much. He was using his own money to keep it going. They were at at the f- forefront of of COVID precautions and regulations. There's audio that came out online of Tom Cruise losing his shit and screaming at someone for not following COVID protocols, saying we like the entire industry is watching us right now. Right? We are we are the trailblazers here. And you are going to shut this whole thing down and and thousands of jobs are going to be lost because of your selfishness. Like he just laid into this guy. Um and the other thing that Tom Cruise did was that he refused at a time when all of the big studios during the pandemic were like, okay, well, we've got this film done and obviously we can't put it in theaters, so let's drop it on on streaming. We'll, we'll, we'll just stick it on streaming and people will watch it there. Tom Cruise refused. He refused to let Top Gun Maverick go to streaming. He was like, no, this is a, this is a theater experience. This is, we're going to wait and we're going to hold on to this as long as we need to hold on to it because this is something that needs to be watched in the theaters. Um, anyways, you hear, you, you hear these comments from Steven Spielberg, how big of an honor is this? And like, especially coming from Steven Spielberg, like what kind of weight does this hold? And do you think that there's some truth in these comments? Uh, what does James Cameron think? <laughs> James Cameron couldn't make it. He was at the bottom of the Marianas Trench or something. He was... <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm not... There are a few Tom Cruise movies I do enjoy, but overall, I don't. He's not really my cup of tea. Plus, his own crazy personality kind of ruins some of his some some of his movies for me. I think, which is sure, but you know, I try to separate. I try and separate the actor in real life from the performance, but sometimes it's hard. The guy is really weird, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's. Like, uh, anyway, save the industry. One man. Well, his film, right? And the fact that not only did that film get butts back in the seats, but it did something that MCU films don't or, or typically aren't capable of doing. It got an older demographic back in the seat, right? Whereas like older people do go to see MCU films, but the majority of people, the majority of the audience going to see an MCU film are a younger audience. Whereas the people who were going to see Top Gun Maverick, a, a 27 year old sequel, uh, were, go- were, were people who had seen the first one. They were, they were, you know, in their late thirties, forties, fifties. Um, and so not only did it get butts back in the seats and sort of jumpstart the industry again, the theatrical industry. Um, but it it brought in a demographic to the theaters that the other major franchises of the world aren't typically able to do. But to call it a... It just seems like an exaggeration that it saved the industry. Like, I mean, we had movie chains declaring bankruptcy. The, the industry was not, it wasn't going to die. It would, was it changing? Uh, sure. Absolutely. Is it still changing? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. 
change change is good change is life but <laughs> to say it saved the industry from like like this just a quote straight up quote like that you saved the industry makes it sound like the industry was dead in the water and was and hollywood was going to shut down <laughs> so no not necessarily hollywood but movie theaters Right. The the experience of paying and going and sitting in a packed room I, full of others. I don't know. I would. I don't know. Uh, I feel like. I mean, I didn't I didn't even I haven't seen it. I haven't seen Top Gun. Oh, you're missing out. I'm not so, even. A, yeah, like, I've heard that. I've heard that. Yeah. I, but like the first one. I'm I, like, I just feel like for a to. single for an individual single movie uh, and. Uh, and you just kind of cherry pick the the guy who put it. Yeah, he put, did he? He put a lot of money into it and work into making it happen the way he wanted to. But I don't know. Call me a skeptic, but I don't. I don't. You're a skeptic. It. I don't believe it for okay. a second. Uh, also in the also in the world of of Steven Spielberg. So back in the late '90s, early 2000s, Steven Spielberg uh, was still making films, but kind of wanted to. Yeah, he was a family man, right? And as we see all the time in Hollywood, the you know, actors who step away from acting, directors who step away from directing, they're like, hey, like I've got, you know, like Elton John. Elton John is wrapping up his, he just did his last US tour show, right? Because he's like, I've got, I've, I've got a family. Like I've got a husband that I want to spend time with and I've got kids and like, you know, I, uh, yeah, I'll still make some music and I'll, I'll still play some shows. Sure. I'll probably always do that, but I'm not going to tour anymore because like, I, I want to spend time with my family. And in the late nineties, early two thousands, that's kind of where Steven Spielberg was, um, and didn't want to commit to doing these major projects that were going to take him to the other side of the world and, and pull him away from his family for months, if not years at a time. And we just found out recently from Steven Spielberg himself that one of the projects that he turned down was the first Harry Potter film. Oh, that's what HP is. That's what, yeah, in the show notes, HP. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, not the sauce. I thought it was like... Uh, home improvement spinoff. No, home that'd be HI performance or something. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, or maybe it had something to do with HP notebooks. And now listen, the first two Harry Potter films <laughs> were directed beautifully by Chris Columbus. Um, obviously it was a successful franchise regardless. Um, and then Steven Spielberg in that time did go on to direct, uh, artificial intelligence. But the big difference was artificial intelligence was, shot in LA, right? So it was literally a job that he Local. could like yeah, he didn't have to go anywhere. Yeah, he could literally like go home at night, <laughs> right? Yeah. Whereas Harry Potter obviously was shot in the UK. Um and it you can't help but wonder though. Like, you know, as as wonderful as the Harry Potter franchise turned out and as massive as a legacy as it's had and the franchise and merchandising, we just had the video game drop. Um, you can't help but wonder what a Steven Spielberg Harry Potter film would have turned out. 
like yeah. you know especially like john williams was doing the score like it's all all the pieces are there <laughs> like it's yeah, like, or, or yeah, what kind of like little tip of the hat cameo like would we have seen an et running around that wizard village I touching things with his magic finger. I doubt that, but you could have had, <laughs> you know, maybe Harrison Ford would have played a professor, right? Like you would have had yeah. these these potential Steven Spielberg isms throughout yeah. it. Yeah, sort of background characters or props. Yeah, it in like, but it sounds like he was really committed to this family thing. In fact, he said in the same interview that like during this time even when he was shooting artificial intelligence, um, a rule at home that his wife had put in place was it, because it it can be, like when you're a director, I can't imagine trying to balance a family life and and raise children and stuff. And and, uh, so a rule at home that, that his wife had kind of implemented that he stuck to, he stuck to, was it doesn't matter what time of day you start shooting, it doesn't matter what time of day you end shooting, you're driving your kids to school. And he did. <laughs> so, and he did. And and he says that was one of the best decisions that he's ever made, right? So even if he had to be like on set at, you know, 5.30 a.m. and, you know, do whatever, he slipped away for an hour so he could go take his kids to school. And I think that that's just so cool, right? Because it's like... Yeah. You know, that was that was their bond. E- each and every day, they still had that sort of connection time that, you know, dad, mm. dad still, dad is putting a Hollywood movie on hold so he can come drive us to school. And that's so cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, okay. Him. One of the biggest MCU films that we've gotten in a while Probably since, probably the biggest one that we've gotten since Endgame was Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, Yeah, did a lot of really cool things. A lot of really cool things. One of the really cool things that it did was it kind of ended the film by setting up, okay, here is Spider-Man. No more tech from Tony Stark. It is literally Peter Parker living in a, a... probably less than legal apartment with a sewing machine, making his own Spider-Man suit. He's got nothing but his powers. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. it was He's exciting. Street, street level Spider-Man. Yeah. No more globe trotting space faring Spider-Man. Yeah. But it also set up some really interesting questions because we had a world now where people know Spider-Man, but nobody knows Peter Parker. Right, Peter Parker doesn't exist for all intents and purposes, right? Like, yeah, there's so many questions. Like, can Peter Parker go back to college? Like, what's how he doesn't have a transcript, right? Like, what's what's how does that even work? Um, and so, uh, shortly after Spider-Man No Way Home came out, there were some comments from from the MCU there were some comments from Tom Holland that kind of made it seem like this was the end of that story because in all the interviews for Spider-Man No Way Home uh Tom Holland and Zendaya they were all saying like you know it was a really emotional shoot for us because it 
it was us sort of saying goodbye to these characters the way that we've known them right like mm-hmm. it, it's kind of us like it's it's yeah we're we're it was an emotional shoot and so that led to a lot of speculation like is that it are we done is that where it's leaving us and in some ways you know that would have been okay as 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 exciting as what the end of no way home sets up and as many questions as it kind of poses um it is kind of a nice poetic ending. It's just kind of like a okay, you know what? We told a Spider-Man origin story and and the way this ends is now he goes off and he becomes the Spider-Man that we all know and love. And and that's the end of the story. And I think that that would have been as much as I want more, that would have been an okay ending. I think I would have been okay with that. Um but it has now been confirmed God. by Kevin Feige that the story but this is the MCU. Yeah, the, the story for Tom Holland Spider-Man 4 is locked. We have that story mm. locked. We're in the process of getting the scripts written and figuring out production dates and so on and so forth. And obviously there was no details that he could share. Um, but Spider-Man 4 by Tom with Tom Holland is in the works. It's happening. Uh, yeah, we don't have release dates. We don't have anything. It's it'll be years out at this point. Um, but what are your thoughts? Are you do we should we have a Spider-Man four? What are your thoughts on the way that the third one ended? Uh, and are you excited? Uh, <clears throat> yeah. So start with the ended one. Yeah, I, I like the way that the last one ended. Yeah, I had a lot of kind of hanging questions specifically to like Peter Parker and uh, like uh, how do the the photos of of him and all that stuff, which there's been a lot of talk about from people who worked on the project about this is how the spell worked. So, which is kind of canon-ish, I guess. But <clears throat> so anyway, either way, I like, I like the way it ended kind of going back to the roots of who Spider-Man is kind of fighting for the little guy. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm excited definitely for more. I mean, it'd be kind of weird if he didn't show up again in the MCU. Like, yeah. Yeah. We, we've, you've created, if you're a Marvel studios, you've created this, massive world now like it's huge now like all the characters and like even like little park characters who who originally were um just uh, extras on the set are now now have like recurring roles as extras right like there's a uh, like the guy in Shang Chi on the bus, who's like recording the fight and stuff like that. Like he's a recurring extra. Like he's been in a couple of Spider-Man films and stuff like that. Um, so like this is a huge world <laughs> where when extras get recurring roles, you've you've built a massive world. So it'd be weird if if Spider-Man doesn't show up. Like, like if there's an attack in New York and Spider-Man doesn't show up, that that seems odd. <laughs> uh, we already get some of that, I guess, anyway, with like 
uh, some of the shows and things that are happening. But I don't know. I I'm excited about it. I'm sure they'll do do it well. It's a how how much of this is going to be kind of like Sony driven versus Marvel driven? I think will definitely play a part in its success. I don't know. I mean, Sony's doing some good things though. Like, here's the thing. I agree that Sony's got a dodgy (laughs) past when it comes to their Spider-Man properties. But let's not forget what they're doing with the Miles Morales Spider-Verse stuff. Yeah, that's really cool. That's pure. That's been a stroke of genius. Now, obviously, we haven't seen the second one. um, But the first one, I think, was not only one of the greatest, not only one of the greatest comic book films of that year, um, it was also a major surprise. Like, I think a lot of people, even the people who were excited for it, did not expect Into the Spider-Verse to Mm. be what it was and sort of have the legs that it did. It was like, oh, okay, it's another, like, it's an animated comic book thing. Like, you know, that's, it automatically kind of gets slotted into a specific category, um, but it definitely doesn't live in that category. It's kind of in its own incredible thing. Mm -hmm. I very much like, I liked the second one a little less, but I do like the Venom films, the Tom Hardy Venom movies. Um, we're not going to talk about Morbius. That was uh, was very disappointing. Um, but you know, the Morbius thing was kind of one blip in the roadmap with with kind of what they're doing right now. I am excited for the Craven the Hunter film. Um, and uh, yeah, how I how do you do that without Spider Man though? What? I don't know. How do you do that without well, they did like, Venom? They're, they're doing all Spider-Man. these villain one offs with like Morbius and Craven and. Like, I don't really care so much about the villain if there's no Spider-Man there. Yeah, but you know what? But I don't think the general public agrees with that center. Like, I do, I get I get that. Um, well, but, you know. The general. Venom, we've had this discussion before. Like, you, you make it for the general public and not the fans. I don't think that's what you do. No, no, I don't mean. Sorry, I don't mean the general public is in, like, not the fans. I mean, like everybody else i mean the majority of 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 moviegoers and and of fans because the venom films have still done exceedingly well um you know i i don't know anyone and i'm sure there's some basement dwelling losers out there but i don't know of anyone who at the end of todd phillips joker film went yeah but there was no batman it didn't need it like it was, it was, it, it, we're in this era of like proving that you can do these yeah. films and not need, like that these, these characters have an interesting enough story on their own that you don't necessarily need them to have a hero showing up to, to thwart the day. So, so you, yeah, so you're just, just, we'll just make... Uh, instead of making origin stories for our heroes, we just make them for the villains, and then they'll fight the hero later. Yeah, and then and then you know what? <laughs> then if all this happens, and then Tom Holland end up ends up being the Spider Man of that universe somehow, then great. If all of this happens, and then 
they dropped the world's biggest bombshell of all time, and they're like, okay, so we're uh, we're doing Venom 3. We're very excited. We're very excited for Tom Hardy to be returning. We're also very excited for Andrew Garfield to be returning as Spider- Then, like, oh, my God, the internet explodes. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, all do I want. Bring, do they bring back him? But, oh, man, I don't... I don't, it, I don't <laughs> that would be fun, but I don't think you can do... Um, Andrew Garfield Spider Man. I think you need to recast. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I honestly, I Venom verse. I think that Tom Hardy's Venom up against Andrew Garfield Spider Man. <clears throat> I, I am so there for that. It it would be cool, but it wouldn't work because they've already established through post credit scenes and stuff that, uh, uh shoot, um, not Venom, uh, the his host, um. Pardon? Eddie Brock. Eddie Brock. Yes, thank you. Sorry. Um, names and brains don't work for me. Um, <laughs> Eddie Brock has already said he doesn't, he's never heard of Spider Man. This is a newspaper reporter who's worked on both sides of the country and he's never heard of Spider Man, who's, if, if it's Andrew Garfield, has already been very prolific in, in the, in the New York area, so what? In terms they of all they exposure, yeah, but they so all live in these. You need to start fresh, I think. No, they all live in these these spider multiverses now, <laughs> right? Andrew Garfield gets. He, we've seen Andrew Garfield get sucked into one universe, suck him into another. <laughs> like, I, yeah, but that's not his universe. That's not his. Like, I don't think. I don't think that works. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Anyways. I, guess, I mean, I guess if there's no Spider-Man there, he because he does doesn't have his MJ or whatever, he can hop over to another universe and find find it again or whatever. Yeah, but. yeah. Okay, moving on. Yeah. Um, a teaser trailer. Not even. Let's be very clear. This is like a thirty second thing. This is not an actual full proper trailer. Um, but yeah, they've already had this. Yeah. So they already had one of these too. They already had one and it was actually a teaser trailer that was a little bit longer, but we do get more faces in this one. We get the reveal of the villain kind of sort of teased at the end. Um, but it's te- another teaser trailer for the, the live action little mermaid movie has dropped up until this point, uh, just to give some backstory, like, you know, so so what have we had in this kind of like realistic live action adaptation genre? Well, we've had Beauty and the Beast, um, which I really enjoyed, except for one moment that I think re- like almost ruins the entire film. Um, we've had Aladdin, which I also really enjoyed and was excited for. We've had The Lion King, which. Uh, you know, I I did I did enjoy it. Um, there were definitely some changes I would have made, but I I I was still on board and there for it and excited for it. I'm excited for. I know that there's a Snow White and the Seven Dwarves coming. That's my favorite animated film of all time. So I'm dubious. I'm cautious, but I'm also very excited for it. So far, these trailers for the Little Mermaid thing. They're just not getting me excited the same way that other Disney live action adaptations have. And I don't know if it's because they're not showing enough yet. Um, And what they are showing 
just isn't the stuff that's going to get me excited. Um, I think the world looks beautiful that that they seem to be building. I think it's going to be a, a a very beautiful, pretty film to look at. I just I don't know for for some reason this one doesn't have me jumping up and down. Oh gosh, I can't wait. Um, but you saw it, or saw the trailer. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Maybe you've seen the movie. I don't know what your connections are. <laughs> um, but you've seen the teaser trailer. Uh, you being a person if you can comment on this trailer in a vacuum try to try to remove your oh, i don't like just do something fresh <laughs> do like uh, we know yeah. we get we get it but in a vacuum <laughs> I, just simply looking at this this teaser trailer what are your thoughts oh yeah yeah so vacuum thoughts <laughs> if i vacuum up my thoughts hoover this this is this is what, uh, yeah, it looks, it looks really stunning. I think, um, I thought like one of the things that hit me almost instantly in this is the, the shots of Ariel swimming around she, it looks natural. It looks like she belongs there. She looks like which, a fish. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I, I can't say the same for our Submariner friend from. Uh, Namor, yeah. Sorry, Namor. Black Black Panther. Like <laughs> the, all the all the underwater scenes in that movie. Every time it happened, I was like, they literally just shot this in a pool with people. It looks so unnatural. These people do not look like they live down here their entire life. Namor. This just this just dawned on me. Namor <clears throat> in moving through the water in Black Panther: Wakanda Forever looks like Christopher Reeve as Superman moving through the air back in the seventies and eighties. <laughs> like it's just effortless. Like it's just this, like, and I, like I get, he's a different species. He's like, you know, the waters is home, like blah, blah, blah. But it, it, it wasn't like, you know, like put some effort in, like even Aquaman looks better in the water. Yeah, Like they look like they're literally just human beings swimming around, which <clears throat> yeah. Okay. To a degree, they were human. They drank the potion stuff. Now they can breathe underwater. But they look, you think, you'd think after thousands of years of living underwater, they'd be able to swim w with some grace and, uh, you know, like, like they've been living underwater for thousands of years. Well, he spends all his time <laughs> brooding instead of practicing swimming. So, yeah. So, <clears throat> like, it's a mariner the 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 extras in the background and what did they call it again attila no uh oh i don't know it's atlantis and not atlantis they, yeah <laughs> they changed the names for the movie for some reason anyway yeah looked so like the visuals look stunning it looked like she's a, yeah a fish looks like she's supposed to be there not like she's not which was striking to me after watching Black Panther within the last few months. So, yeah, I mean, beautiful voice too. That it's a singer that plays Ariel, right? So, yeah, she she can she can sing the part. The I Ursula laugh is on point. Oh yeah, who's who plays her? I have no idea. I'm, I'll look that up right now. Yeah, like. <clears throat> Some of those old Disney movies have got some really scary, creepy points. And for me, um, 
she was always like top tier creepy in terms of Disney creepy villains. Like scary. Right up there with the evil stepmother from Snow White. Yeah, like scary, scary, nightmare scary. Yeah. Um, Ursula is played what? No. I gotta I gotta Google it now. It's Melissa McCarthy. I would not in a million years have guessed that. But I mean, okay. I yeah. Really? I can see I see the eyebrows now and that little tiny <clears throat> thing that we got. Okay. That doesn't seem right. Javier Bardem is King Triton. I could see that. That works. That seems that doesn't seem right. <laughs> <laughs> like you think the information's wrong or you're just like that shocked? <laughs> I'm just, yeah, shocked that like she doesn't seem right for this role. I, but maybe, you know what? But maybe she'll nail it. Like, cause she's not, you know, falling over herself and making dick jokes. So, like, <laughs> yeah, well, that's maybe I'll enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this will give me a new appreciation for Melissa McCarthy. I don't know. Huh. I would not have guessed that in a million years. Neither would I. That's cool. Okay, moving on. We talked last week about Patrick Stewart's comments on whether or not he was going to reprise his role as Professor X in Deadpool 3. And essentially what he said was, they've told me to stand by. <laughs> and we sort of speculate a little bit on what that could mean and what it could not mean. <laughs> well, he was doing another interview, a sit-down interview, and uh, and he was being asked some more details. And Patrick Stewart said, he, he started talking about Sir Ian McKellen. And he says, yeah, I was talking to, you know, I was talking to Ian after, after I reprised the role in Doctor Strange. And I guess Ian McKellen had said, had, had, you know, done a little mini review of, of Patrick Stewart's performance in, in uh, Doctor Strange and, and was a fan of it and was talking about how he would have loved to have, you know, also come back and, and, you know, that's something he would have done and blah, blah, blah. And, um, and then Sir Patrick Stewart says, but Ian and I, we're not done. <laughs> Ian and I, we've, we've got, we've got plans. Now, that's all he said. And that does not, it's important to state because there are, there are articles on the internet right now saying, Sir Patrick Stewart confirms that Magneto and <laughs> Professor X are we... That's not what he said. That's not what he said. Sir Patrick Stewart and Sir Ian McKellen, both sirs, by the way, um, are actually really great friends in real life, right? So this could mean mm -hmm. anything. This could mean that they're doing a little indie project together, that they're going to do a Broadway show together. It could mean... A hundred different things that, hey, you know, we're, we're, you know, yeah, it didn't work out for him to come back as Magneto, but we're, you know, we've got plans to work together. But 
It sure kind of seems like maybe he's suggesting that Sir Ian McKellen is coming back as Magneto. And uh, that's certainly my... I mean, this is one of those films where it's like, you know, throw the kitchen sink at it. Like, I... It's... When it's Deadpool 3, it's kind of hard to... It's kind of hard to screw it up by pulling characters in because you're just kind of like well whatever like this whole thing is so crazy obviously there's going to be some kind of like strange multiverse thing happening because this is deadpool's first soiree into the mcu um so something something is happening in terms of multiverse i would think uh and i yeah at this point i'm like you know throw the kitchen sink at it like bring him back absolutely bring him back as much as i hate james marston make james marston show up as cyclops like i really don't care like just just like i'm so on board for the idea of ian mckellen returning as magneto um as you would say the old frail weak blown over in the wind magneto (laughs) But I don't know, man. If you go, if you pull up right now some images of Sir Ian McKellen as Magneto, that is a man who is, he is not showing up to mess around. He's like, he's hes intimidating in that outfit. Um, anyways, you hear these thoughts. How do you interpret these thoughts? Are is Is this Patrick Stewart saying, yes, we're both coming back, or is he talking about something else? Uh, I think this is uh, a case of Marvel having a new leaker on their hands and that uh, uh, Tom Holland has got to pass that trophy on to Patrick Stewart. <laughs> really you think uh I, no i don't know I, you think, I Ian, think or you think Patrick Stewart should get a l- couple lessons in lying from Andrew Garfield <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no i i mean it i think they're, they're both likely to show up marvel's probably got a check with their name on it they're just waiting to put the date on and hand it to them um at this point i wouldn't be surprised if james mcavoy and michael fassbender show Ooh. Up <laughs> as as well as the young versions of these characters and they're all on screen together at one point. <laughs> like, like you said, it's uh, it's it's Deadpool three. Throw the kitchen sink at it. <laughs> what? Okay, over under fifty percent. What are the odds that Ryan Reynolds is also in this film, ever so briefly, as the version of Wade Wilson that he played in in Wolverine? No, that one's dead. He killed him, remember? Yeah, he goes back in time <laughs> and kills him, but who knows? Like, it, it, it could be anything. Uh, in Deadpool Inception. <laughs> oh, I think that'd be so good. Who the F yeah. is this guy? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Or or you get Ryan Reynolds playing him playing Deadpool, Ryan Reynolds playing Wade Wilson from Wolverine Origins, and you get Ryan Reynolds playing what's his name from Blade Trinity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, because they could do that, right? I mean, they even like 
Uh, they couldn't. Sh- they couldn't physically show him. But there's been so many references. There's been references in each Deadpool film about his portrayal of Green Lantern. Now, obviously, you can't <clears throat> oh, yeah. for legal reasons. You can't have him show up as Green Lantern. But yeah. they even like, you know, in the first one, he just goes, "Please don't make my super suit green or animated." And so that yeah. was obviously a. a, a Green Lantern one, but in the second one, in those like that post credit montage thing, um, it he th- we see Ryan Reynolds reading a script that clearly says Green Lantern on it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's Deadpool. They they can go anywhere with this, especially with it now being a Marvel property, and especially with. Marvel having already set set up a multiverse. Oh yeah. And having different versions of the same hero on screen. How like, much they of could, they how, could get absolutely crazy. Like how much of do you think of their decision to go full in on this multiverse stuff in the MCU was them knowing that they'd acquired so many more properties and that they were going to have to start, that they were going to have to find a way to explain some of this. Like, even though, yeah, even though I've said for a while that the X-Men that we're going to get in the MCU are not going to be like Hugh Jackman is not going to be the MCU's Wolverine, even though he's going to appear in an MCU film as Wolverine, he's not going to be the MCU's Wolverine, but they are going to have to explain, they have worked their way into an interesting corner here, unless they use the multiverse when it comes to explaining mutants and when it comes to explaining the X-Men, right? Because either mutants and the X-Men have kind of always been there, in which case, what the hell? <laughs> like, where have they been? If they've always existed, then then where have they been? And if they haven't, like, if, if somehow in the MCU we're going to see the inception of or the, the birth of mutants, that kind of undermines a lot of the story of the X-Men. That kind of undermines all of these years of prejudice and, and ridicule and sort of like what they're fighting back <clears throat> against and what Magneto's motivations are. Right. So, yeah, I, I think they have to, which is why, like, when Multiverse of Madness came out, I was like, oh, man. I need what we need. We need the the House of M storyline. We need Wanda to have at some point said in the past. At some point, she said, "No more mutants," and they all disappeared. Were wiped out of existence, and then now in Multiverse of Madness, she you know does whatever that brings them all back, and finally, like at the end of that film, ushered into the movie, we get introduced to the MCU's X-Men. I, I thought that would have been so cool. Obviously, that's not the route they went. That's fine. No. Um, but it does still raise the question, like, how are you going to, how are you going to explain this? Yeah. And I think, so, yeah, I think they probably, once they acquired Fox, and now you've got all this, all these characters and teams 
that don't fit into your the world you've created, yeah, you you, you essentially got to kind of recreate the world somehow. You either recreate your world uh, by kind of tearing down the walls of the rules you've built of it via a multiverse, via kind of restarting the world somehow, or or you just you use them in a different space and time. The definitely, I think, going with something closer to the f- the first option, <laughs> obviously. And they've already kind of started introducing it. You you haven't seen um, um, uh, Miss Marvel yet, right? No, I've seen Miss Marvel. Yeah, yeah. So the end of that, they they hint at mutants. Yeah, right. She's she's talking to her buddy, and he says, "I've I've run the DNA, your DNA, and it's not human." It's, it's, I can't remember the exact phrase he, he uses. So right. But it, it, I'll use my abbreviation. He says it's mutated. It's mutant. It's a mutant. Yeah. It's something it. mutant about it. And as he says that you get a very subtle, uh, background, the music subtly, uh, changes to the nineties X-Men theme for yeah. just a brief second. Yeah. Um, and so like, there are already building towards it just how is it gonna kind of explode onto the scene yeah like it or is it just gonna continue to be this kind of subtle build and they'll slowly introduce them in which case yeah i think you like you were kind of saying you do you do the x-men a disservice because a big part of the x-men is they fight against the prejudice of mutants while also fighting to save those who persecute them from an extreme mutant group. Which, I mean, you could still have that prejudice if it's this new thing that we're all not used to and we don't understand them. But it just doesn't seem like, I don't know, in a world where, like, so why isn't there that prejudice against superhumans? Against super soldiers and against, you know, which to some extent there is. Like, that was the whole whole plot of, of Falcon and Winter Soldier. But... Yeah, it just seems like you need those all those years of like you can't just be like okay, now this is Magneto and this is what he thinks and now this is, you know, yeah. like it yeah, it's tricky. Yeah, and Magneto's got a pretty specific backstory that that makes makes his character who he is. Right with the the whole internment camp Nazi Germany thing. Like how do you how do you recreate that, right? Yeah. Like the reason he is so extreme against the prejudice is because he's lived against that extreme prejudice before and he knows that you can't tolerate it. So he's just going to. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I hope they do find a way to make. Like, I hope. I don't know. I think there's still ways to do it where, like, the family that Wanda envisioned as she was a kid was not was also just a part of like projected reality i i hope mm. i do hope that it turns out that magneto is the father of the twins but i don't know we'll have to wait and see yeah we will have anyway. to wait and see okay moving on away from the mcu towards the dcu again uh no Actually, the D- dc elseworlds elseworld 
Elseworlds. Yeah. yeah. Uh, listen, I, much to Pete's chagrin, I loved the film The Joker. Uh, I'm a huge Joaquin Phoenix fan. I Batman is my is my my hero. He's my comic book character, um, and you know it's it it sounds cliche to say, and I do. I always when people are like, oh, who's your favorite Batman villain? I hate saying Joker because it just seems like, oh, that's what everybody says. Yeah, but you're just the normal Batman fan. Yeah, you just you don't know the Rogues Gallery because you just say a, a Joker. real fan would. Would say Calendar Man. Yeah, Ventriloquist, yeah. No, uh, but it is. I mean, Joker is just the perfect Batman villain because they are the the yin and the yang. They are the the, the yeah. order versus chaos versus, like, it, it's just, it, it never has there been, in my opinion, never has there been a more perfectly matched protagonist and antagonist in in comic book history like it it's just so perfect um i don't know spies versus spies man shut up so i loved <laughs> i loved joker i loved how dark it was i loved the take that they they did with it um it, yeah it was just it, for me it was phenomenal and it was supposed to be a one and done We've talked about that many times. They're like, we're, we're, we're not kicking off a franchise. This Joker's not going to go up <clears throat> against a Batman. This is a one and done ordeal. And I commended them for that. Dump truck full of money. I commended them for that. 100%. I thought that was, that was the way to go. But then Joker made a billion dollars. 1074 billion dollars and the ceos sat around their table looking at each other going trilogy 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 well but here's the, here's the thing As they pointed <laughs> here's the thing not only did it make a billion dollars it made a billion dollars with a 55 million dollar budget it 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 set the record for the like if if you factor in the ratio between how much they spent versus how much they made, it is the most successful financial film of all time. Because never has a film been made for so little and grossed so much. Yeah. So then it you kind of have to... practically an indie film. Yeah, exactly. So then you kind of have... Because I mean, there's very little special effects in it, really. And so yeah. then you kind of have to scratch your head and go, huh. Look, I know we said this was one and done. But what are the odds you think Joaquin would come back? <laughs> How much can we offer him? And I guess they offered an amount that he was happy. Excuse me, happy with. Because he's coming back. And we've known that for a while. Um, we got a first image a little while ago, which was just uh, him. I believe it was Joker shaving. Um, but we now have a new image, uh, which is Joker and Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn, who we know is being played by Lady Gaga, which a lot of people are going to, I think when that was announced, a lot of people went, uh, what? Really? Lady Gaga? Listen, those are people who haven't seen movies like A Star is Born and stuff like that. L Lady Gaga is a phenomenal actor. 
Like I, I was amazed at her acting chops in A Star Is Born. So yeah, we have, acting classes can do wonders. Yeah. So we have this, we have this image, and it's basically it looks like Joker and Harley have been making out, making out, m- maybe. And uh, it's very inappropriate uh, workplace relations. Yeah. Well, you know, with a client. Yeah. Well, because and she does in this image. Lady Gaga, if you look at sort of the outfit that she's got on, you can't see much. You can see her shoulder. It does seem like it's maybe sort of like a, a sweater type thing. Like no, she's she's suit not. Jacket. Yeah, she's not in Harley Quinn getup. She's in Harleen Quinzel getup. And I wonder if this image is an image from Arkham Asylum. At a very pivotal moment where one Dr. Harleen Quinzel is suddenly, you know, taken by, taken, taken aback by the allure of a Joker. Um, listen, this image, I, this image is perfect. This image, there's so much said in, in, in so few, well, in, in zero words, it's just this is just a fantastic image. I think it's totally in line with with the Joker atmosphere that they've set up with the first one. I don't think we're going to get I think it's going to be a very different Harley Quinn. I mean, it was a very different Joker that we got, and I think it's going to be a very different Harley Quinn. I don't think it's going to be the the, you know, New York accent like Mr. J. I like that wouldn't fit. It wouldn't work. Margot Robbie's I don't know. This only works for me if she calls him Puddin. Puddin. Margot Robbie's performance <laughs> of Harley Quinn is is fantastic and great in its own, you know, that's that's sort of more of the the animated series or or video game version that we're used to seeing. Yeah. Um obviously a film like this calls for a different take and uh, uh yeah, there's there's so much in this image. There's so much in this image that that just gets me really, really excited. You're looking at the picture. What are your thoughts? I don't know, Puddin. It looks pretty good. <laughs> That's it. I I think I I think I could I can work with this. Yeah, it's yeah. so it's it's <clears throat> interesting. So the name of this Joker film is called Joker Folle Adieu which is a French term, obviously. Um, and it is, it, it's, a, it's a psychological condition. Folle adieu is a shared psychotic disorder. Um, so basically, delusional belief of a psychotic person is imposed on another person or persons. Um, uh, a person who is already psychotic adds new delusions from another closely associated individual with psychosis. Uh, a normal person suffers from a delusional belief of a psychotic person after resisting it for a long time and then maintains it despite the separation. I, that's, I mean, that's everything. That is the relationship between Joker and Dr. Harleen Quinzel, right? That she's presumably a mostly normal functioning doctor at this asylum uh and something about her interview sessions something about her 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 therapy sessions with joker causes her to also fall down the same rabbit hole and and 
lose her mind. Yeah. <laughs> this is, yeah. I mean, the, if they do do it the same way they did the first one where they kind of like completely do a fresh but still true to the character take, this is this has got got gold written all over it. Yeah, cannot wait. Cannot wait. All right, moving on. Final topic. This is a big one. Last one. And back to the MCU. one that you're very ex- <laughs> one that you're going to be very excited about. I <clears throat> saved this one for last because I think it's it's this is going to be a high note for you. So we talked a little while ago about Big Papa Iger coming in and taking over Disney again. Yep. And we speculated on some of the changes that were going to happen as a result. We house, shaking things up. Yeah, we talked about some of the we ta- we touched on it again last week with with them cutting a bunch of jobs and and sort of removing some of those layers of micromanaging that had been put in place by the pre- previous regime. Um, Bob Iger came out the other day and he said something. I, I'm paraphrasing here, but something to the effect of. Look, we're going to, specifically looking at the MCU, and some other properties, but specifically the MCU, he said, we got to cut back here. We got to get back to the days of, of quality over quantity. Breach it. And not that they're going to get back to like, oh, one or two MCU properties coming out a year, Right. But let's veer away from nine coming out a year. (laughs) Because when you have nine MCU properties coming out a year, quality control is impossible. Right? I heard someone talking... Not to mention you're oversaturating your audience. Well, I heard someone talking about this and they basically said, when you have, let's say you have three or four properties coming out a year, you can you can ensure quality with that because Kevin Feige and, and the other powers that be are hiring the the best of the best to go in and do the best work that they possibly can and and you can oversee it and maintain quality. Well, when you bump it up past that, when all of a sudden you're at nine properties a year, 10 properties a year, the first thing that happens is you have to start hiring directors and writers and showrunners and so on and so forth that you would not have hired otherwise because they did not fall into your top three or four circle of trust. The other thing that happens is you're stretched thinner than thin can get. Like Kevin Feige just cannot be everywhere all at once. And so the vision, not like the vision, but Kevin Feige's vision for the MCU and and his, his ability to maintain quality is not... It, it, it's just, you can't sustain that. You can't, you can't keep that up. And so it looks like, yeah, we're going to, we're starting like effective immediately. Two of the shows, two MCU shows that were supposed to be coming out this year have been pushed off to next year. Mm, did they say which? Um, we we're still getting Secret Invasion this year and we're still getting... Loki season two this year. So I think mm. 
the ones well, that Loki have been, season two makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I think the ones that are getting pushed off are the Echo series. Yeah, that makes sense. And Ironheart. Uh, yeah, we don't really need that. I don't think. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're they're still coming, but they're just we're just no, like we don't need them right now, though. They're right? Not, yeah, they're not that's, crucial to the overall over, overall story. Yeah. So that's 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 kind of it in a nutshell. That they're gonna they're gonna reel it back in and go. Okay, we need to get back to a place where instead of just going, how much content can we vomit out in a short period of time? how much content can we make and still ensure top-notch quality across the board? Obviously, it goes without saying, this is, I, I'm all for this. I'm very excited for this. Yes, it will mean less content, but that's okay. Like I said, as long as we don't get back to like one or two MCU properties a year, like I don't want one movie and one show. Because it's then it, you know that's a long wait, but if we get you're, you're, two movies and two shows, if we get a movie in if we get a movie in April or February, and we get a movie in October, and we get a show in March, and we get a show in August, then that's that's enough that you know what there's several weeks, maybe a month in between any sort of MCU property, as opposed to now where there's like overlapping. You've got, you know, yeah. this shows the last two episodes of this show are going to overlap with the next two episodes of this show. And then also there's yeah. a movie coming out in there and it's like, you just can't do it. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Some Like two or three shows, two or three movies. Yeah. Like ideally in my mind, you open the year, like the calendar year, January sometime in January with a movie and then after the movie lands a couple weeks later uh, you drop a show and then that and it, it kind of picks up where the movie left off maybe with a different character but kind of helping push that overall storyline forward and then you go to a movie and then a show and then a movie to end out the year maybe I don't know right like that to my mind would be like way way more comfortable to consume that 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 pace of entertainment than what we're 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 getting like we've already had what three movies this year from marvel two no no just one no just the one there just wasn't one any in January. and it's out in theaters now and it we feels had a like show. it's more though <laughs> it feels like it's so much more yeah like it feels like a lot well Especially because we when you just look- in november we just had black panther yeah, but it just, yeah, it just feels like so much content. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it, like you were saying, it's not great. Like the quality control is not great. No. So, man, yeah. Yeah, like She-Hulk. Like cut it, cut it, cut it down. Like, and, and let's, let's get back to making a quality over quantity yeah it's um and then and then yeah like enough enough content that it feels like that overall story is being pushed forward but not so much that it's just diluted with all the garbage because you can't you can't 
you know, you're, you're saving, if you're saving the overall, uh, the overarching story beats for the big titles, then all these little, little titles, Miss Marvel, uh, uh, Black, even Black Panther, really, and and She-Hulk, and yeah, all these titles, they're like, okay, this was a fun movie or a fun show. It wasn't great. But, I mean, how did this push the narrative forward? Right. With, outside of its own microcosm story. Yeah. Right? Like, we're looking at a the MCU is bigger than just an individual story at this point. Yep. So if Would, Kang is the story, don't don't give us anything that doesn't involve Kang. Well, in some form or fashion. Yeah, or at least have something that you know is is There's going some, to th- tie something in. in it pushes it forward, ties it forward. Yeah. Like was was the only real payoff for Miss Marvel the 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 the, the X Men beat and a little bit that that uh, kind of post credit scene with Captain Marvel. Well, I mean that that like, show was a setup for Captain yeah, Marvel. Yeah, I know, too. but like that at that point is it but like did it do its job well? I did think we so. Need, did we even need it? Do you do you need that Miss Marvel setup for Captain Marvel? Uh, it's not even Captain Marvel anymore. It's the Marvels. Yeah, I mean, I, like, think, I think I think WandaVision did that better than Miss Marvel did. You could have the Marvels with no Miss Marvel, yeah, TV show, and no Miss Marvel in the the movie. Like, yeah, I, I mean, mean, I haven't the, seen the movie, so I don't know the storyline. But like, Miss Mar, uh, WandaVision set up this idea of kind of Marvel's character, uh, quote unquote, characters better than than. Uh, Miss Marvel did, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think the nice thing about the Miss Marvel, like, I think Miss Marvel is is the second best MCU show that we've gotten. Um, so I I can't say many bad things about it. I think I think right next to Wandavision, it was it was the best show that we've gotten. Um, and I and I will say that like it was good. Yeah, like, could it, you? It was, a, it was a stark difference between the kind of the normal kind of uh, tempo that yeah. Uh, a Marvel show set. Could they have set of, up Miss Marvel in the Marvel's film? Sure. But it's also like, you know, I can't deny it is nice that when that movie starts now, we can hit the ground running that we don't, yeah. we don't need any setup. That, that is a very strong point. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'd concede that. Right. Cause otherwise as, your as first, somebody who's kind of, at this point with like <clears throat> where the MCU's at and the discussions we've had about the DCU and I'm just kind of like I don't want I don't want to know origin stories anymore. I want I just jump right in. Right. So and I think that that's where like as far as TV shows go then I think that's that's what you use your TV shows for. You use your TV shows as as a 6 to 10 episode origin story for these characters right so now i don't even want that though yeah but i yeah i i just think it 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 gets it out of the movies right because you do need some sort like you can't just do away with origin stories because if if we had a movie you know if secret wars comes out 
or Kang Dynasty comes out and Moon Knight shows up and we hadn't had the Moon Knight show as problematic as the show was, you're going, I'm sorry, who the hell is this? And what are his powers? And how does, like, you'd come out of the film going like, yeah, it was just a bunch of flashy action because I didn't know who anyone was. And I, like, they gave me six new characters, but I don't know these, I don't care about these characters. I have no idea who they are. Yeah. So anyways, I, I don't know. What I do think is interesting is... I, mean, I think there's a counter argument to that in that like werewolf by night gave us several new characters with no origin. So yeah, but only one character who like, if any of them are going to continue on, it'll be just the one like that was meant to be a standalone one and done thing. I think. I don't think so. No, no. Anyways, I don't know. What I do think is interesting is, is like Bob Iger is is pumping the brakes on the MCU. I think he's going to do the the exact opposite with Star Wars. Right? I don't think not in terms of like hey, we're about to get a bunch more shows, right? Like I don't think it's going to be like, oh okay, like we've already got shows in the pipeline. We know that Ahsoka is coming. We know that um Skeleton Crew is coming. We know that uh what is it called? The the one that's about the Sith, Star Wars the something or other. Anyways, um but I do think that one of the first things that Bob Iger did when he got back into office was called Kathleen Kennedy. And even though Kathleen Kennedy's on her way out, right? And we know that, but she until she's on her way out, she's still she's still acting president of Lucasfilm. She's got to, she's got to still work until it's time to leave. Um, I've heard many people speculate, and I I think this is 100% true. The first thing that Kevin, that Bob Iger did was he hopped on the phone with Kathleen Kennedy and he said, we got to get a film into production. Like, what do we have? What do you have that is, is in the works or that we're spitballing or whatever Tell me about a movie. We, we, you have to make a Star Wars movie. Come on. <laughs> like, we didn't <laughs> buy Star Wars. Bob Iger did not buy Lucasfilm to make... To not make movies. To make shows. <laughs> he did not buy Lucasfilm to make Andor. Yeah. As amazing as Andor was, he did not buy it to make Andor, and he did not buy it to make the Bad Batch Who Gives a Shit season two. Right. Like it's, it's, that was not the plan. <laughs> the plan was we have a multi billion dollar franchise. Let's make Star Wars movies. So I, yeah, it's fascinating. Anyways, that's the news. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening. I, I always want to do my YouTube sign off or I'm like, thank you for liking, commenting, and subscribing. Anyways. <laughs> Check out our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all listed down below. We have a merch store where you can go and buy some fun, fun apparel. Winter, summer, or otherwise. Uh, and check out our Patreon page. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help keep the show running, as well as get a bunch of perks 
um, including exclusive episodes that are only available to Patreon subscribers and, uh, and increase your voting power when we post votes on what movie we're going to watch and review next. So, yeah, those are all, those are all fantastic links. Should check those out. Yeah. Do all those things. Yeah. Send us away with something prophetic. Yeah. Do do all those things and we will hunt down Patrick Stewart and make him confirm his rumors. That is false advertising. We will not you're making promises that we cannot follow through with. Uh do all those things and uh we will make sure that the next Star Wars movie is amazing. Ah, uh, just 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 check out the links. Oh,